The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. Uh, we're the one show giving you the truth about personal finance. This is Financial Coaching Radio, and I'm your host, Jason Falls, certified financial planner, one of the only independent commission free financial advisors in Rutherford County. For all about me, Jason Qualls, CFP.com, J A S O N Q U A L L S C F P.com. If you want to jump in with questions, comments, you can click email the show at Financial Coaching radio.com first up let's talk about some changes coming to those of you who are age 50 or older making 401k catch-up contributions I assume this applies to 403b's as well and other work retirement plans some new rules they can't ever leave well enough alone and the government has many major things to figure out yet they always mess with something that's totally fine. It's almost like giving them attaboy, a pat on the back for getting something done because most of the time, stuff that's really important, they don't do a damn thing. Last year, the Secure Act 2.0 changed retirement account rules. And one of those rules, I believe, is we're taking the required distribution age from age 72 to age 73. I think it was in that change. But now, we have other changes regarding your catch-up contribution for your 401k. So if you're not familiar with what that is, if you're age 50 or older, you can put in a little bit more in an annual contribution to your 401k plan. Now, these changes weren't, were initially weren't going to be effect until, effective until 2024, uh, but I believe they're coming sooner. Let's see if we can figure all this out. If you're making catch-up contributions... Uh, let's see, let's, in your traditional 401k accounts, it looks like you're going to have to be forced. And if your income is high enough, this is the other key, if your income is high enough, you will not be able to make, make your catch-up contribution on a pre-tax basis. It will have to be a Roth 401k catch-up contribution. So, under the Secure Act 2.0, if you're at least 50 years old and earned 145000 in more or more in the previous year, you can make catch-up contributions to your 401k account. But there's a catch. You have to make those extra contributions on a Roth 401k basis using after-tax money. You would not be able to get the tax deduction for those catch-up contributions as you would with a typical 401k contribution. The Secure Act 2.0 Roth catch-up contribution rule won't apply to taxpayers making $144,999 or less in a tax year. What's the problem? Lawmakers drafted the Roth catch-up contribution provisions of Secure Act 2.0. Certain language was inadvertently left out of the law. As a result, according to the current text, 
no participant will be able to make catch-up contributions, whether on a pre-tax. <laughs> I got to read that again. <laughs> this is all coming from kidbookster.com, by the way. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Lawmakers drafted the Roth catch-up contribution provisions of Secure Act 2.0, uh, or when they did. Certain language in, was inadvertently left out of the law. As a result, according to the current text of Secure Act 2.0, no participant would be able to make catch-up contributions, whether on a pre-tax or a Roth 401k basis. So now they're passing laws and they're leaving out crucial language. Uh, only in America, right? Congress is aware of this and other drafting errors. How many are there? Secure Act 2.0, and lawmakers will likely make technical corrections. How is this even possible? It's like, oh, we screwed up, didn't proofread the, proofread the dang bill, but we'll go back in and alter it. Uh, I'm sure there's a process for it, but how often does this happen, right? I, I, the only time I read congressional stuff is typically when it comes to tax law and retirement stuff, you know, financial planning stuff, typically. Uh, especially reading articles about it. And if there's just general broad best legislation I'm interested in, I'll figure, I'll find out if it's going to pass, not pass, that kind of thing. But does this happen often? Is this a normal thing <laughs> that they 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 create a law or draft a law that goes through committee? I think is the process, right? Comes out of committee, that goes to the House, goes to the Senate, all this stuff, and they screwed up. They didn't nobody proofread it through any of those things and goes, hey, wait a minute. We've left a crucial part of language out here. <sighs> you just have to laugh. Congress is aware of this and other drafting errors in Secure Act 2.0, and the lawmakers will likely make technical corrections. However, the mistake complicated challenges with implementing the catch-up contribution change that, until recently, was supposed to be effective next year. Uh, major companies advocated for 401k catch-up relief. Numerous employers, plan, employer plan providers and organizations requested more time to modify systems to allow catch-up 401k contributions to be made on an after-tax basis. Uh, so they weren't going to get their systems updated. Unless transition relief is granted as soon as possible, many retirement plan participants will lose the ability to make catch-up contributions at the end of this year. Uh, the group said in a letter to the leaders of the U.S. House and Ways Committee. The group argued that they required systems for enforcing the rule, which they say involves coordinating payroll systems instantly, do not currently exist. Obviously, any new... Here's, the, here's where I was getting at earlier. What the hell was wrong with the way the catch-up contributions were going by about it before? What the hell was wrong with the required minimum distribution age and i know if you were age 70 and a half and you you couldn't delay you're still 72 or 73 you're kind of ticked off but when you moved it from 70 and a half to age 72 why do we have to go around turn around mess around with it and do age 70 i know this is all political mumbo jumbo of how to take and redistribute wealth and make tax cuts and and take more tax i know the game i'm not blind and ignorant to that but my deal is do we really not have any other thing to do and whatever committee that starts these stupid ass changes are you really just bored scratching your behind going what could we mess with now do we 
How about fixing Social Security? How about fixing Medicare? How about worrying about how complicated and ridiculous and redundant and complex the tax code system is instead of adding new crap to it? Why don't you just make it simpler? They won't. Because typically, my here's my opinion, and I'm a little bit of a uh, a cynic when it comes to this. I think they only change this stuff as it relates to retirement plans because it benefits them. There's like 10 dudes in the on this committee going, I'd really like to change that. Really like to have that benefit. Let's change it. Screw it, what everybody else thinks. Screw it. No, we could be working on more important things. <sighs> High earners get more time. However, in late August, the IRS announced relief for high earners subject to the new Roth catch-up contribution rule, which is welcome news for many plan sponsors. What are the 2024 catch-up limits? They're expected to be announced late this year. Uh, we'll see when that comes out. Probably, I think they're already out, actually. Uh, no matter what the catch-up limit is, no matter... There's been a catch-up forever. If you're allowed to do the, why? Why are we saying that now? This why? Here's the deal with it. Just because you are been successful, you have higher income. Why are you not allowed to do things on a pre-tax basis like everybody else? And the real issue is because the more you do, because the higher earners are the ones that pay all the taxes, and they want more people paying taxes, or not more people. They want the people who actually pay taxes to pay more. It's probably more than 50%, but 50% of American citizens do not pay federal income tax. That means half or more of American citizens pay all of America's or fund all of the revenue for the United States. I don't care what situation you're in. If you have a brain, you know that that is not fair. Well, they earn more, they should pay more. Really? So we could, we could extrapolate that on any facet of life, and you would not agree with it unless it affects you individually. You cannot look at this on an individual basis. Everyone should be paying something. And Let's just be real here. The most fair system is a flat tax. And you're not going to get a flat tax because the people who vote for the left would have to pay that flat tax, and they would probably stop voting for the people on the left because that's the only reason they're most most of them are doing it because they like the free stuff from the government. They want a handout. They want. They don't understand that if you're receiving something in a tax credit or money from the government, whatever it is, that if you didn't put in on this, it's coming from somebody else, another person. <sighs> And on, on, on top of that, when they write these rules that change things, that have no significant impact to the U.S. economy, to the future of our, uh, our great United States, that they can't even write the rule correctly when they pass it, which is just mind-boggling to me. Anyway. Look out, make sure you know the rules of your 401k catch-up catch contribution. This is really a word to the wise for you small business owners out there. And if you're using a solo 401k or 401k for your small business and you're doing so to get a large pre-tax deduction, this is kind of prohibiting the reason you'd want to do it. Maybe you'll shut that 401k down. Financial Coaching Radio is back right after this. Keep it locked in right here on WGNS.
Hey, Financial Coaching Radio listeners. If you don't understand exactly how your financial advisor is compensated, you could be in big trouble. My name is Jason Qualls, a commission-free certified financial planner. To learn more about why my process is so unique, go to JasonQualsCFP.com or call 878-2134 today. Okay, folks, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. If you were my client or a loved one, I would never let you get your wills done online. This is truly a case of where you only get what you pay for, and those you leave behind will be the ones to pay the price. Go see estate planning attorney John Baker today by calling 896-5621 or go to bakercouncil.com. Again, that's 896-5621 or bakercouncil.com. Get the expert estate planning advice you need today. Did you know that the U.S. tax code has over 70,000 pages? This is precisely why you must have a tax expert on your team. The folks at THNW CPAs have been providing their expertise to individuals and businesses in Middle Tennessee for over 50 years. And now they have an office right here in Murfreesboro. Call Kevin Sizemore today with THNW CPAs at 848-1072. That's 848-1072 or online at THWCPA.com. Welcome back to the show. This is Financial Coaching Radio. Financialcoachingradio.com. Listen to the show anytime, anywhere. I'm Jason Qualls, certified financial planner. John Baker, estate planning attorney, is back with us. And John, first up, I'd like to discuss folks that move from state to state during retirement. Not even in retirement, just move. They, they live in Tennessee, they move to Florida, move to Georgia, maybe move back to Tennessee. They have their estate planning documents done and let's say Tennessee, but then they move to Alabama, they move to Georgia, they move to Texas, they move wherever. Do you have to update those estate planning documents if you change states? Well, my opinion is that in most cases, you, you need to have it reviewed by an attorney in the state where you've moved to, and that will probably result in in some updating of at least some of your documents because you, if nothing else, you'll want those documents to... to um, uh, apply the you know the law where you live is there is there a, the states that surround us and is there some major conflicts that we have with these states that surround us that would say this is a definite need for an update i'm, I'm trying to imagine what that would be well I, I wouldn't describe it as major but but every state has their own nuances you have their your nuances in your probate law your 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 nuances in 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 real estate and property law uh different uh uh, characterizations of property and, and how the, the state processes property. You'll have, you know, diff- different probate procedures. Uh, so there's just, you know, there's enough there that, that uh, you know, you're going to need that reviewed. And then as it relates to powers of attorney and health care powers of attorney and directives, kind of the same thing. While generally the documents should be good from one state to the other, there's going to be nuances where, where you're really going to need to update those those things and, and make them compatible with where you're living. And if you don't, on the will side, does that mean you'll have to go through probate? or? or? 
Well, or, you're, if, if you did a will in Tennessee and then you moved, let's say, you know, to Alabama, um, it, it, it's still going to be a valid will, but it but it just may not follow the, the exact procedures per, uh, for probate that, that Alabama has. So, so it, and it's going to be citing Tennessee law, so it's better just to clean that up on the will. And then again, like with the health health directives and powers of attorney, you know, each state has their own nuances. And so, so let's focus on you know. powers of attorney specifically. So Tennessee has a certain set of, of, of aspects of the Tennessee code mm-hmm. that apply to these documents, right? Yeah. And you know, every state's different. So that's really what you're, you're discussing here is yeah. like – the the documents were written state by state. Yeah. So let's say, for example, in a power of attorney, let's say you do a power of attorney in Tennessee, and it's notarized, but it's not witnessed. And then you move to another state, and in that state, to transfer property, they require a witness to be on the power of attorney. Well, your power of attorney doesn't have a witness. So will that be effective to transfer property in that state, since that state's law says the power of attorney to transfer real estate must have a witness on it? So you just get into these nuances like that that you want to avoid. Interesting. And what would happen in that scenario? Well, you know, the worst case scenario is that the power of attorney is not going to work to transfer the property. Is that likely to happen in that? Uh, I've, I've had it come up in several cases. And do they typically just depends it on like the judge or well who decide who's the ultimate decider there? Well, the uh, well, well tip, you know if it's a real estate transaction, it, you know it's not before court, but you have the title attorneys who who are who are reviewing the uh, you know the transaction to make sure it's all in compliance with the state law. And I would see them rejecting it, right? Yeah. So if they don't like the power of attorney, or if in their opinion it's not valid under their state law. They're not going to go through with the transaction. You well, know, with how, yeah, how could it be valid if they required witnesses? You know, so, of course, if you're healthy, you could always do another power of attorney. But, but if you're not, you know, then then you've got a big big issue. And so, so that that so if you're sitting there trying to do this transaction uh, through or for a power, you're a power of attorney for someone else, and they're defined. Mm-hmm. And you can just do a quick you know, update. Yeah. If the, but if, but if, if, you're, if the power of attorney is in effect because there's some incapacity there, then this right. then we're talking about going to court, yeah, conservatorship, and all. Right. Because if you're incapacitated, then you can't do a new power of attorney. So, so well, you, uh, it's always advisable. I always advise people that that you know, say if I have a Tennessee client and they're moving to Florida or to Georgia or Alabama. Or, I always tell them when you get there, um, you know, to you know, to, to consult with the estate planning attorney. There may be some nuances and some issues that they have, you know, that that, that they'll that you'll want to, uh, you know, do some updating for. What about healthcare directive? Would it probably those are I would say just that's naming your last wishes. It's just do they honor it if it's witnessed or notarized that kind of thing. Yeah. So the uh, so the health direct you know every law every state has their own unique uh, health care um, uh, rules regarding appointment of agents and standby agents and 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 uh, uh, they may have their own customary or statutory living wills and health care directives. So uh, you know again, typically you're going to want to uh, to have your uh, health directives uh, you know following the law where you where you're most likely to be which is where you're living so just joining in we're talking estate planning with john baker estate planning attorney bakercouncil.com on the will to be valid in tennessee requires two witnesses right that, that's right and has to be original can't be a copy 
Yeah, so you you know it's it, it can be you can co- probate a copy uh, in some cases, but it is uh, a much uh, more complicated process. And is there any state that you know of that has you know, laws regarding you know, a last or living will and testament that does not require two witnesses? It requires more. Uh, it's, or the two is kind of a standard thing. I think two is very common. I, I couldn't. I don't know. You know specifically if if an, if a, if a state may just require one or require you know three. But uh, I did. I've I've seen some Georgia wills come through, and I, and I'm not sure exactly what Georgia law is, but but I've seen some that that that, that would validate it with a with a uh, witness that's 14 years old or older, which I found interesting because I believe the way I understand Tennessee, you know, we we have to have an adult witness, which would be 18. So, what about on the trust side? To create a trust, is that a state-specific document, or is that uh, more? Yeah, so a- that's going to be state law as well, and, and it'll depend on on your state. Uh, you know, in Tennessee, we're, it's pretty liberal on you know creation of a trust. You know, certainly, uh, you know, if you're doing one, uh, you know, that's well prepared, it's it's going to be uh, you're going to sign it. It's probably going to be notarized. It may be witnessed. Uh, there's no there's no requirement legally that it be witnessed, but but that's certainly uh, a good practice where you know where that can be done, and in Tennessee, well even um, uh, in some cases recognize an oral will. So so I mean an oral excuse me an oral trust. I've never heard of that. So yes. somebody's recorded. So, so if if the <laughs> communications between the parties and the circumstances indicate that orally they had agreed to a trust. A court can approve that. Now, again, obviously, it's going to be more difficult to prove an oral trust than, than if you have a nice written trust. But sometimes, you know, they, so why, that, that why is are they possible. so? Well, lax is not the right word. Why are they so liberal on how what affects or puts in place a trust, and not and not so much on a on a will? Yeah. So I th- I, th- I think it comes from uh, that 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 trust law kind of derives from contract law. And whereas wills are, are uh, from from uh, decedents in these states, and and so there's just different requirements. The statutes for wills, you know, are very specific about, you know, what type of uh, uh, witnessing and, and the signatures that are required. Whereas contracting law, it's more liberal. You know, there's not just one set way to have an agreed contract and a trust. Is, is, is falls under more of a contract category. I want to pick up this discussion after the break because I have more, I have more questions about how simple can a, you know, a self-created trust be and it still be a trust. This is Financial Coaching Radio. I'm Jason Qualls, Certified Financial Planner in the house with John Baker, State Planning Attorney. Keep it locked in right here on WG. a financial plan? I'm not talking about a worthless binder full of pretty charts and graphs. Are you certain you're on track to reach all your financial goals? A comprehensive financial plan is about so much more than just your IRA and mutual funds. It involves risk management, tax planning, professional investment management, retirement, and estate planning. Make sure your entire financial life is in order by calling me, Jason Qualls, a commission-free certified financial planner 
at 878-2134 or go to my website, jasonqualscfp.com. Buying a house is stressful and so is shopping for a mortgage. Take my advice and get a second opinion on the mortgage for your new home or your refinance. Not all banks and mortgage companies are created equal. Trust me on this. Call my friend Marshall Sparkman with Franklin Synergy Bank at 615-439-0885. Great team, great process, and the best rates. Marshall Sparkman with Franklin Synergy Bank at 615-439-0885. Welcome back to The One Show, giving you the truth about personal finance. This is Financial Coaching Radio. Check out financialcoachingradio.com. Listen to the show anytime, anywhere. Jason Qualls, CFP.com for All About Me. John Baker, estate planning attorney, is still here. Live and in studio, BakerCouncil.com. John, we're picking up where we left off in the last segment, talking about if we move states. We, we live in Tennessee. We move somewhere else. We had all our estate planning documents, our wills, powers of attorney, health care directives drafted in Tennessee, and we move. What is the importance of updating those? And we moved that discussion into the trust and you mentioned something about you know a tr- trust can be more easily created in some ways than a will or be valid easily to make make it uh, determine if it's valid or not could i just scrap up one piece of paper handwritten say and i put all these assets in trust and that be called a, a, a revocable living trust well you know you basically you could um, obviously that's not going to be what what you know an advisable way to make your estate plan just like writing your own will is probably not an advisable way in most cases to make your estate plan i'm in a time crunch here but you're you know you're you're, the the asteroid is on its way yeah you feel chest pain you feel like you're about to die (laughs) and you've got your fred sanford you're about to go meet elizabeth yes that's right and you've got some instructions (laughs) you've got to get down you know, then, then sure, if it, if, it, if it conveys your intent to create a trust, which basically is going to be that, that you're, you're, you're saying, you know, let's say, let's say that you were doing that and you say, I grant to, you know, John Smith the power to handle all of my estate for the benefit of my minor child. That could be a trust because you've indicated that someone is going to hold this property for the benefit of your minor child. And and while, in lieu of just saying I pass my assets down to my minor children, that, that's right. So so you've indicated an intent that that you want to create a trust, and so that that could very well be sufficient to create it. Now, of course, you didn't put a lot of term, you didn't put any terms in how to manage and, and various you know conditions and whatnot, and that's where the uh, or you know, a the backup law, in case that person is not available. You know, or? the law is going to fill in the gaps there. So and 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 the judge. Now, is it law or is it the judge's discretion? Well, the, the, there's there are statutes and and the law and the judge will, uh, uh, you know, follow those statutes and in whatever interpretations that, that that he or she makes. So it says if a trust doesn't contain yeah. this, this is kind of what yeah, the process and, we follow. And and the overriding uh, uh, issue usually is what did he, the maker of the intr- trust intend? What was his or her intent? And that's, that's very subjective, right? Right, and he may have to take proof, you know, he, you know, if he can. But to the, but and in, like I said, in some situations, the statute's going to uh, 
uh, uh, instruct what to do. You know, what are the powers of the trustee? What what can they invest in? What what are the standards and fiduciary duties? And you know, there there is a lot that the statutes will fill in in the gaps. And uh, and beyond that, the court is looking uh, to determine the intent. Now, it wouldn't be advisable to do a trust or any right. state plan documents last minute without the advice. Yeah, like of, you said, you know, you're 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 about to. <laughs> kick over you know and you don't have time to schedule an appointment with an attorney so but it made me think of does the knowledge of an attorney matter when drafting these documents may one attorney one attorney is more knowledgeable on trust creation than another and they leave unknowingly leave gaps in, in the trust or another more experienced one wouldn't and then you live end up in the same yeah. spot with the court and they're having to make a determination yeah, so so you know that you know that's like just about any area of, of law. Uh, you know, if you want to trust, you need to go to an attorney that 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 does trust work. You know, um, you know I don't do divorce work, <laughs> so you know I've you know I, I would uh, I would refer someone that needs a divorce to the person that knows all about that. And so so it's uh, yeah it's it's and there are there you know there there are a lot of attorneys that that do uh, trust work, and there's a lot that don't. And uh, like I said, you just you got to be sure that you've got someone that uh, is there that any is familiar any legal ramifications to someone that's doing these types of documents without the proper expertise. Well, to say, if, hey, you if, really weren't you are more of a criminal yeah, lawyer than an yeah. estate planning lawyer. You messed this up. Are they liable well, in any way? Yeah, we had you know lawyers are um, you know have a, have a duty to be competent in in whatever they are doing and to provide uh, a standard of care that that's reasonable for the you know the the location where they uh practice so yes there are there are legal standards john baker bakercouncil.com is the web address to reach out to john online bakercouncil.com you also have a phone number 615-896-5621 office re- located right here in rutherford county murfreesboro tennessee thanks jason always great to be here all right john thanks for your time we'll be back right after this keep it locked in right here on financial coaching radio and wgns are your investments costing you each year most people don't have a clue why is this extremely important because overpaying by just one percent a year in fees and expenses can reduce your account balance at retirement by 28 percent you heard me right 28 percent less at retirement i'm commission-free certified financial planner jason qualls i don't sell financial products I don't accept commissions or kickbacks from investment companies. Give me a call today for a free unbiased investment review at 878-2134 or visit my website, jasonqualscfp.com. A recent undercover study found that over 89% of paid tax preparers made mistakes. You heard me right, over 89%. Is your tax person making mistakes? 
tax mistakes cost you money and may even lead to an IRS audit. I recommend you get a second opinion on your tax return today by calling Tothero Helen Welch CPAs at 848-1072. Tothero Helen Welch has been providing tax services to individuals and businesses for over 50 years. So call them today at 848-1072 or go to thwcpa.com. I am back. This is Jason Qualls, Certified Financial Planner. This is the show where we try to break down financial planning, the major aspects of real financial planning, uh, between taxes, estate planning, insurance planning, of course, investing, retirement, all that stuff. We try to hit it all every show if we can, or at least every other show. Thank you for being a listener of the show. Been with you since 2011. Also online, anytime, anywhere, financialcoachingradio.com. You can learn more about what I do. What makes my financial planning practice unique simply is this. And you can learn it all at jasonqualscfp.com. It's that most advisors are salespeople. Most advisors have a conflict of interest with you. Now, whether or not that sways their advice to do something not in your best interest it all is subjective. It's all case by case. But it's just the likelihood of it uh, gets ratcheted up a little bit when an advisor has a huge conflict of interest with you. You don't want that. So learn more about the differences of what you do want at jasonqualscfp.com. I'm out of here for today. I appreciate you listening. Keep it locked in. Of course, there's always more local talk right here on WGNS every day. And we appreciate you keeping it locked in right here. I'll see you next time, same time, same channel, every weekday, 4 o'clock right here on WGNS. Until then, have a great afternoon.